Praise your name. This is lesson number three in the series of lessons entitled Mythbusters, Exploring the Truth. First Sunday of this series was two weeks ago when I spoke to you from John 14. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus Christ. Last Sunday I spoke on the question of unconditional eternal security. Once saved, always saved. And I took the scriptures and showed you that there is doubt. Not just little doubt. But that is not in the scriptures. That you can walk and be invited into and receive salvation by your own volition. I only to pre- preach that again. And you can walk out of it by the same volition. I trust you never choose to. You can't just lose your salvation just like that. But you need to know the truth. Because the truth is his word. And then this, this, this morning, third in the series of lessons on chapter 5 of 1 Peter, talks about the devil. And I want to expose the devil in this word today. I do not know why some people do not believe that there is a devil and that he's real. But like Elder Willie Terrell says, if you don't believe there's a devil and he's real, just keep living. Just keep breathing. He's sure to show up at your house because he's no respecter of persons. Okay. The advantage is Jesus. But So we'll start at verse 8 of 1 Peter 5 and we'll look at some other things together in our moments in the Word. So destructive is Satan that Peter says in verse 8, be sober. That means be alert. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Those are not friendly words. Please, a couple other references. Two other translations I find apropos. It's on the screen. From the New American Standard Bible, it says, Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a lion seeking someone to devour. The Living Bible says, watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. He's not your friend. Not anybody's friend. Save the unsaved is not your friend. You've got a better friend. His name is Jesus. Next slide, please. Point your hands in my direction. Let us offer a prayer for all of us in this word. Father, I do not want to just keep the people here unnecessarily, but I do want you to be here. I do not want to lose, Lord, anything that you intend for us to have. Pray for one another. Pray for me now, church. Father, I pray for a fresh release of the anointing for this moment, this time. Oh, Father, I ask you that you would guard our hearts, guard our minds. And I, I just rebuke the enemy and his imps and demons from, from any kind of distractions. Lord, I, I've been in this position where my body's one place, but my mind can be someplace else. Don't let that happen, God. I, I, I've been in the place, oh God, where I, I look like I'm... I'm Uh, connecting, but Satan has tried to distract. So I just rebuke all of that and I pray the Word of God would be to us an artesian well coming out out of our innermost being. And I pray, O God, that you would show us the truth that we might live in victory because your Word is truth. Amen? 
Amen. Thank you so much as you're seated in His presence. And for further reference, if you'd like to look ahead, and while I try to have these scriptures on the screen, I don't always get every one of them there. Ezekiel 28 is where I'd like to go in a little, in a moment here together. So as a boy in the island of Trinidad and a young man when I came to America, one of the sports I enjoyed listening to and looking at, and don't misjudge me here, let me finish, was the sport of boxing. Uh, I guess I got that from my dad because he was interested in it. And then in the island and all, I remember when we had our first black and white TV. We didn't have it. Um, one of my mother's relatives had black and white TV. About this big, you know. And it only come about three or four hours a day, Trinidad. Okay? So before that, the radio was everything. Okay? And so I remember when they would carry the fights of Muhammad Ali boxing. You, all, you remember, right? Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I used to hate him. Because he had such a big mouth, man. He, he is bragging, braggadocious about what a great fighter. Oh, you know. What do you say? Fly like a butterfly. What, what, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Y'all hate him too? Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean hate him like a person. I just meant, I was hoping somebody just shut him up. Somebody just lay him cold into tomorrow. But you know what? I got to liking him. You know why? Because he backed up his big mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we little short guys, we like that kind of stuff. Um, anyhow, to speak for me. Boxing. Isn't it? George Foreman and Joe Frazier and all those guys. I used to listen to those fights. Thriller in Manila. Yeah. Some of you cannot. You ain't that young. I thought I'd introduce the sermon with, with this that I read about an amateur boxer at his first fight. His first fight, but he was getting beat to a pulp by his opponent. Mercifully, however, the bell rang, signaling the end of the first round. As this weary amateur boxer made his way to the corner of the ring, he was met by his trainer who wanted to encourage the first-time boxer. He said to the boxer, man, you're doing great. He's hardly laid a glove on you. Here, have some water and get back out there and get him. Well, the boxer went out in the second round, and the second round was worse than the first. He was getting pummeled all over the ring. Finally, he was knocked down, but he was saved by the bell at the count of nine. The trainer came out from the corner there, met him as he's coming to the corner, and, and toweled him off, and he said to him, and encouraging the amateur boxer, he says, you got him where you want him now. You're in great shape. He hasn't even touched you. Get out there and get him. The third round went the same way. The boxer was lucky to stagger back to the corner at the sound of the bell. And when he came back after the third round, both his eyes were nearly swollen shut. His mouth was bleeding. There was a cut above one of his eyes. And the trainer won't encourage the boy. He says, he says, man, he's hardly hit you at all. Barely laid a glove on you. I, I think you should take him out this round. Now, go out there and get him. The boxer says, oh, okay, okay. He's hardly touched me there. I'm going to go out there and get him this time. But, but would you keep an eye on the ref? Somebody's beating the daylights out of me. 
And isn't that the way it is sometimes in life? You get bam, bam. You get up and you get knocked down again. Left, right, east, west, north, south. Seems like, I mean, the punches are coming from every direction. And sometimes you get up, beat up spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And that's the kind of way it is with the devil. All kinds of problems come into our life. And yet there are people around us who deny the existence of the devil. I have come in our moments together in this lesson in our series to expose the devil. I am convinced this morning that we are not likely to defeat an enemy that we don't believe exists. Give me an amen. Or if we do believe he exists, we can be guilty of underestimating his power and his purpose. And if we keep the the myth alive that he is merely a comical character in red tights with a pointed tail and pitchfork, then he has us where he wants us. I am bringing you this lesson this morning because I believe that in recent years in America and around the world, there has been a resurgence of the works of the devil in our society, so much so that it's exceeding anything that we've ever seen in the past. I believe this morning that there is an increase in the realm of darkness. And I mean that with regards to demonism and the occult and witchcraft and Satanism and Satan worship and sexual immorality. And to me, when I think that there is no more perverse or violent ways that people can attack and hurt and destroy one another, the demons of hell come up with another way to put in somebody else's head to blatantly and destructively and horrifically take lives. That's the power of the devil. I also believe, brothers and sisters... That he may not always come in blatantly, but subtly. By that I mean in our entertainment industry, the devil's working. I'm talking about video games. I'm talking about movies. I'm talking about certain products that people sell. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about what they call the arts. There are some things that people are calling the arts, and there are people that are calling music and entertainment that have nothing to do with arts, music, and entertainment that are value, but straight from the inspiration of demons and devils of hell. Because some of the people who are producing that kind of stuff publicly acknowledge that they dabble with darkness, and they also they get their best inspiration from being in darkness and that way of the occult. And, and what, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you this morning is, one of my fear as a pastor is that we may be getting used to the darkness. The church may be helping the enemy by failing to expose him for who he really is. And I have come to understand that throughout the Bible, we are told of the reality of the devil. Let let me highlight for you. There are different names by which he's referred to in Scripture. I won't look at them all, but let me just highlight some. He is known as Satan. That's the one I'll use this morning for discussion. He's also known as the evil one. The Bible refers to him as the serpent and the dragon, especially as it relates to the end times in the book of Revelation. The Word of God says about the devil that he is the accuser of the brethren. Can I get an amen? You try to live right, serve God, do what is right, and the devil's always trying to go before God and blame you for something, even something in the past that God's already forgiven. Can I get an amen? 
the Bible says that he is the ruler of this world. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that while God is in charge and God's in charge and control, he has allowed for, for whatever reason, by grace and by time, so others will come in, has also allowed the devil to, to have a free reign, but for a time. He will only let him go so far, by the way. Can I get an amen? He will only let him go so far without, uh, without which he pulls him in. And by the way of the saved folks, he can't even go that far. Can I get another amen? He is known as the prince of the power of the air. The Bible talks about him being spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. He's also known as the prince of darkness. And, and you know, you, you look at a 24-hour day cycle, and what part of that day is given to more crime, more violence, more evil, and more destruction than after dark? Can I get an amen? That is such a true description of him. While I know the devil works in blatant, broad daylight, it seems like to me he reinforces after dark, and especially after midnight, he sends out another army or hordes of imps and demons of hell to help execute his dastardly deeds before the sunrise. I had a case in point that last night. This morning, 1235, the phone rings at the house. It's the security service for Coweta Public Schools, and more particularly Ruth Hill Elementary School, where my wife serves as principal. The voice on the other end, because my wife had her on the speakerphone, says, there's been an intrusion at the school. We need somebody with a key to come. Well, we've done that before, more times than I can tell you, after dark. But, but this time, it's 12.35, and we, we get up. And it's, you know, you sleep. You know, if you're normal, you probably go to sleep. Okay. Um, and we get, we, we don't even ask Prissy if she wants to go. She's not even interested. We drive across the way, 20, 20 minutes or so, we get there. And, and, and what has happened is someone has taken the trash can outside the front door of the entrance of the school, the double entrance doors with the glass, the glass uh, uh, exposure and view in and out taken the cylinder-shaped trash can, lifted it up, and bashed it, it had to be numerous times, against this, this uh, tempered glass, double-pane tempered glass. It had to be deliberate, it had to be premeditated, because you don't just throw a rock through that kind of tempered glass, and bash a hole as big as the bottom of the trash can, so that now that the school is uh, exposed, all one has to do is put their hands in there, and push the lever, and gain entrance. The police go through there, they check every room, they check it out, my wife and I is there, we, we are there, pardon me, and, and now the building cannot be left without it being secured. He makes a report, we're there, and I said to myself, to my wife, I said, what time is it, honey? She said, it's 1.15. She's got a broom in one hand. I got a broom in my hand. We got this little, little duster thing you collect the, the glass in, and we are sweeping the entrance of Ruth Hill Elementary School on the inside so the glass and things won't hurt somebody. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord, if I could find the person that did this. You know, I, I'm telling you, I get anointed when I come up here, and I ain't always anointed every day, 24 hours a time, okay? 
If you prick me with a needle, I will bleed just like you. Okay? You understand? And sometimes, I'd hate to admit it because you all tend to think that's what I... I don't want you to think that way. But sometimes the spirit of slap gets on me. I'm sweeping glass, 115, and the cop, the police says, now I got to go. But we knew somebody else was coming. They'd already made a call to the county. Somebody else was coming. Okay? I'm thinking, I'm five feet, six inches tall, but I wish I could find that person. I don't care what they got. And if they're bigger than me, I'm going to let... I'm going to be like that boxer in that ring, except I'm going to be the ref. I'm going to knock them into tomorrow. I'm going to beat them in the ground, and then I'm going to ask God to forgive me. The devil. The devil. What, 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 what makes somebody do something like that, brothers and sisters? Nothing is missing from the school that they can tell, okay? But it's the own, it could be somebody from their own community tearing up their own stuff. Can somebody help me here? How many know that has to come from the devil? Now, Satan is real. When you read, when you read the Bible, you'll find that Satan is no myth. He is no imaginary being. You read the Old Testament and the New Testament. From the many distinct references made to him or of him by our Lord as it relates from the time of his creation... As references made about him all the way to the end of time in the book of Revelation, you'll find that there is an abundant amount of evidence. There is emphatic evidence in the Bible that the devil is real. Let me tell you this. Behind the veil of the visible. You see, we all live in the visible. We got eyes. We can see, touch, and kind of thing. Behind the veil of what you and I can't see, there is a war going on. The devil knows his time is limited. Somebody help me preach here this morning. The devil knows more than some Christian is willing to admit that time is running out. One of the tricks of the devil is to make us think we got a lot of time to get it right and get saved. And the devil feeds us this line. you got a lot of time. But behind the veil of what you and I can see, he has released his hounds of hell and his demons from hell by trickery and by skill and by all the devices he can to try to overthrow the kingdom of God and defeat you and I because he is a real devil. He's not a figment of imagination. He's not merely a vague influence on men or a mythological character. He is a real person. How do you know it, Pastor? Because throughout the Bible, he is spoken of by a name and referred to in a personal pronoun description as he. I have you to understand that the idea of a personal devil in politically correct America has been denied by large segments of our society. To our shame in Christian America, there are some preachers and churches who do not even preach about a real, true, literal devil. Whether they preach it or not, he is real, and he out, he's out there to try to do us in. You see, in the popular mindset in America, because we don't want to offend anybody, the devil is seen like a, like a funny little man dressed up in a long red underwear with horns and a tail, and he is so docile and so harmless that, that advertising companies use him or a picture of him so to speak on their labels of tools or their labels of uh, of paint cans matter of fact he, he, one of his tools or one of his weapons is, is to just be so subtle and so subtle and so smooth 
that we think maybe he, there's no harm to him. One of our favorite kind of foods is devil food cake. Go ahead and smile. I've had my share. You can tell. And I say that because he doesn't always first enter our lives, our marriage, our mind, or our circumstances like a lion. You know, when, when there are gangs of uh, criminals going through certain subdivisions and neighborhoods robbing and stealing, sometimes they will give the appearance that they're no longer in that subdivision. Uh, a gang of thieves is never so dangerous as when they have it widely rumored that they've left the neighborhood, but they're still there. That's how the devil works. Uh, I'm trying to tell you the devil's real, and, and, and maybe on the little lighter side I could put it to you this way. Uh, two boys were going home one Sunday morning after Sunday school, and they were reflecting on the Sunday school lesson that morning. And the Sunday school lesson that morning dealt with Jesus being in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil... And that the devil is real. Well, little Jim said to his friend John, Do you believe that stuff about the devil? Or do you think there really is a devil? And John looked at Jim and said, Nah, it's just like Santa Claus. It's your dad. <laughs> You're laughing because some of that's true in it. I like what one writer says. See if you can relate. One writer says, Many who think there is no hell spend a lifetime raising it. Yeah. There's more. And most of those who doubt the existence of the devil prove the mistake of their theory by acting like him most of the time. Have you ever said of anybody, don't raise your hand, don't look anywhere, but straight up this way, have you ever said anybody full of the devil? They're full of the devil. Yeah, go ahead and admit it. Jesus said that too. Jesus said in, in, in John 8 and 48 about some religious people. You are of your father, the devil, who is a liar and a murderer. And I'm not going around, I'm not su suggesting you go around telling people they're full of the devil. Unless you're Muhammad Ali. But I'm telling you that he's a real devil. And I'm saying to you that we should be aware of what he can do. We should be aware of sin and refuse to flirt with the temptation of sin. Because he's out to destroy you. I read this week also that in 1968, a 500-pound aerial bomb from World War II was found beneath a bridge on Long Island. Nobody knew how the bomb got there, but the police bomb squad said that the weapon, when they found it, was technically live. It took them over two hours to deactivate the bomb. And during that time, of course, the bridge was closed down. It seems that the bomb, which was halfway buried in the ground, had become a part of a makeshift playground under the bridge. It looked like an old rusty hunk of metal protruding out of the earth, and the children had been climbing on it for some time. What seemed absolutely harmless was actually potentially deadly. That's the way it is with the devil. He's not interested in being your BFF. He is real. That's the essence of sin. 
Sin is most destructive when we take it lightly and we ignore its ultimate implications. The devil is alive and well on planet earth and he wants to devour us. I I will tell you more about this devil. The Bible talks about his origin. I'll I'll slow down a minute and teach for a little bit. This is where we go to Ezekiel chapter 28. If you're there, you can look in your scriptures. If not, you can look on the screen. But I'd like you to have your Bible, whether I put it on the screen or not, because I want you, I want you to be a myth buster also. I want you to take your Bible. And I want you to say your family and your friends and other people who doubt this kind of scripture and show them in God's Word. But there is a devil. The Bible says he was created by God as an angel. Let me show you then Ezekiel chapter... 28 verse 12. Several verses here, but it begins by saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus said the Lord God, speaking of the devil, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now let me see if I can qualify. This text begins speaking about the king of Tyre, which is primarily a reference to the king of that region of Asia. But the verses obviously go beyond the man who was the king of Tyre, to the motivating force and the personality who was impelling this particular king in his opposition of God. And Ezekiel the prophet saw the work and the activity of Satan, who the king of Tyre was emulating in his ways. So the conversation changes from how a king is behaving like Satan and starts talking about Satan and who he is. And it says here, look at part B of that same verse. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's when God created him. Let's go further. Verse number 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Speaking of Satan. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were, was prepared for you on the day you were created. Verse 14. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. When the devil was created, his name wasn't Satan. His name was Lucifer. And that meant shining one. When he was created, brothers and sisters, the Bible said he was created, if you look at verse 14, as an anointed cherub. A cherub, according to the description of the Word of God, is one of the highest ranking of angels. And we believe from study that the devil was perhaps the highest ranking of all angels under the hierarchy of the command of God. And and then the Word of God talks about how beautifully and ornamentally decorated he was. Verse says, every precious stone was a covering, and therein it is described. When you study the Old Testament and the garment of the high priest, you'll find that the high priest had to wear an ephod. When he went once a year into the most holy place of the tabernacle, where he offered prayers and sacrifices for himself and all the people. These were the same jewels, some of them, that the high priest wore when he went into the tabernacle in the presence of God. These were the same jewels that when before Lucifer fell, he was decorated and honored with and and manifested beauty. I'm saying all that to tell you that one of Lucifer's role when God created him 
was to be in the presence of God and to guard the presence of God and to guard the throne of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? How do you know it? Verse 14, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. When I, when I looked this up and I studied myself, I come to understand that where it says here, the anointed cherub who covers, the word covers mean guard. Again, one of his job was to guard the throne of God and the presence of God. And yet we go on and we, and we find in, in, in our study that Satan, Lucifer fell by his own choosing. Well, let me move. Let me not get ahead of myself. Look at verse number 15. Describing Lucifer. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Look at verse 17. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they may gaze on you. Satan, in spite of the fact that he was perhaps the highest ranking of all the angels, stabbed God in the back, figuratively. When he allowed pride to get in him, and his pride says, I don't want just to be the highest ranking under God, I want to be God. Somebody help me preach here. His pride, his quest for power... His quest for prestige led him to rebel against God. And one third of the angels in heaven, God's created beings, followed his rebellion. I'm trying to teach here now. Even though he was created by God, look at this. Satan was not alone in his rebellion. Scripture again. Revelations 12, 7 through 9. Don't turn there. Let's look at it on the screen. It says, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was their place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and what? And Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast down, uh, was cast out with him. Hear me when I tell you, brothers and sisters, there is a real devil. And when he fell from grace, he took a whole lot of what you might say innumerable hosts of angels who let their pride get in their way, who let their quest for power get in the way. And so the devil doesn't do what he does by himself alone. He is not omnipresent like God. He can't be everywhere all times in every location. But he has got enough demons and imps and hounds of hell to release a few after us. But I'm telling you for every demon and imp of hell the devil's got, God's got two against him. And I want you to tell, want you to know that God will release that kind of angelic power so when the devil shows up like a flood, God will lift up a standard against them. Somebody thank God that we are not defeated. I, I wasn't going to yell. No, Satan wasn't alone in his rebellion. Let me show you Isaiah 14 verses 13 through 15. Everybody okay with me here? 
Look at what it says about the devil. God says to the devil, who now becomes Satan, the hateful is what it means, the hateful. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Observe, observe how many times the two words used, I will. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. No, I'm, I'm telling you. Is that, that spirit still prevails in the church, in the family, in the marriage? Among raising kids, the I will, bless God, I will. Nobody tell me what to do. I'm my own person. That came right out of the hounds and the hordes of hell. But God's got a better way. And God's better way says if you are willing to submit to my covering, and if you are willing to submit to my wisdom, God says, and, and, and my provision, I'll change your I will rebellion to, oh, hallelujah to Jesus, to covering, provision, and life, vision, dream, anointing, and power, like you could never, I will, on your own. I, I got to hurry. Peter, in 1 Peter 8, now, that's where we're going back, uses some very strong words to describe this Satan. He says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, your adversary, the devil. There are two meanings for, for the term adversary. I'll hurry to tell you what they are. The first, the first meaning of the word adversary is an enemy. An enemy. Satan may try to get you to think that he is your friend, but he is out for nothing but to harm, damage, and destroy us. You see, the devil is kind of like, like an artist. And by that I mean that, that he paints sin in very attractive colors. But don't believe him. Even the world has recognized it. You remember when they used to have the cigarette commercials where they, you smoke this brand, you'll be like this, or you'll have mountain scenes in your head and running streams and rivers and uh, all these. You, 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 and now the world is saying, we were wrong. We were wrong about that cigarette smoking stuff. It ain't near as attractive as it looked. You got people now showing us shocking pictures of people who have developed cancer and are dying because the devil will show you the mountain scenes and the bro babbling brook and, and a nice feeling because he's an artist of deception. Help me hear somebody. He's deceptive. It's okay. God doesn't mind. Isn't that what he did to Adam and Eve? He's an adversary. Another meaning for the word adversary is not just enemy, but it could almost be trans. Translated in legal terms as the prosecuting attorney. And what, what I mean by that is, the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 2, it says, 1 John 2 and 1, that Jesus is our advocate. The Bible says in that text that, that John says, I wish that nobody sins, and I'm paraphrasing it, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Jesus then becomes your defense attorney. I'm trying to hurry here. Oh, Lord, where did all the time go? Uh, thank you. That's all I need is one person to sick me. Uh, hey, l l listen. If you've ever seen a legal setting, you know there's a prosecuting attorney and you know there's a defense attorney. The devil always dragging up garbage 
from your past, from your yesterlife, from your day before you got saved. And saying, see here, don't bless him, don't bless her, they're no good, etc. All kind of hours of the day and night, this prosecuting attorney, the devil slanders and lies and accuses. But thank God we got a great advocate, defense attorney. Jesus said, I know it. And they did it, but it's now under the blood. Jesus stands before the judgment bench of God. The devil stands here. He's prosecuting. Jesus stands here. And I'm standing in the middle. And Jesus said, yes, Alan did that some years ago. Yes, Alan said that. Yes, he, yes, Alan thought that. But he has confessed his sin. He has repented. He is on his way. I've covered him with my blood. Here, God, I'll pay the price. If he's got to go to jail, I'll go to jail for him. If he's got to die, I'll die for him. I want to tell you that we have a counter of the devil. He may be prosecuting, but Jesus is our defense. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Oh, my, 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 my. Oh, help me, Jesus. Here's another term. The devil is another description. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil. Take the D out of the word devil, and you got his whole character. Huh? Don't minimize it. He is evil. And I'm telling you, the Greek word for devil is slanderer, accuser. The word devil comes from a verb which means to throw over. It's the devil's intent to overthrow your marriage if he can. Did you hear me? It's the devil's intent to overthrow the kingdom of God if he can. It's the devil's intent to overthrow this church if he can. It's the devil's intent to overthrow your grandson or your granddaughter or, or just whatever dreams and vision. He is a, a devil who comes to destroy completely. And one of the things he does is, in an effort to overthrow us, he always downplays the consequence of sins. Can I get an amen here? Always, that's not so bad. Nobody will know. What's one time going to hurt? Help me here. Help me here. What was one time? One more drink. One more snort. One more, uh, you know, who's going to know? I mean, this is a one-time thing, and you all know where I'm going. I don't have to be so descriptive. Can I get an amen here? Downplay sin. I, I remember reading of uh, Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman, who is uh, of yesteryear, a man of God of some time ago, many years ago. And he told the story of a distinguished minister in the, in the country of Australia who preached a very strong sermon one Sunday morning on the subject of sin. And after the, after the sermon was over, one of the, uh, the leaders of the church came to the, the... His name was Howard. Dr. Howard was the preacher. And one of the uh, church officers came to his office after that uh, sermon that morning and he said to Dr. Howard, we don't want you to talk as openly as you do about man's guilt and corruption because if our boys and girls hear you discussing that subject, they'll be more easily uh, become sinners. So, so this, this, uh, this one of these church leaders said to Dr. Howard about his preaching on sin, call it a mistake if you will, but do not speak so plainly about sin. And the man of God was anointed by the Holy Spirit just about then. Dr. Howard reached up in the cabinet near his desk and pulled out a small little bottle. And he showed it to his visitor. He said to his visitor, you see that label on the bottle? It says strychnine. And underneath in bold red letters, it says poison. Dr. Howard said to his visitor, do you know, man, what you are asking me to do? You are suggesting that I change the label. And suppose I do, 
and paste over it the words essence of peppermint. Don't you see what might happen? Someone might use it not knowing the danger involved and would certainly die. So it is with this matter of sin. Remember this. If you remember anything I say, and I'm trying to hurry. The milder you make the label, the more dangerous you make the poison. You all didn't hear me. The milder you make the label of sin, the more dangerous you make the poison. For example, man calls sin accident, but God calls it an abomination. Man calls sin a blunder, but God calls it blindness. Man calls sin a defect, but God calls it a disease. Man calls sin an error, but God calls it enmity. Man calls sin a fascination, but God calls it a fatality. Man calls sin an infirmity, but God calls it iniquity. Man calls sin liberty, but God calls it lawlessness. Man calls sin a trifle, but God calls it a tragedy. Man calls sin a weakness, but God calls it willfulness. And it's time that you and I call sin what God calls it and label it what He does because the devil doesn't mind destroying us by whatever label it is. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Oh, la barashikia. I am trying to hurry, but I'm here to tell you, you ain't got no dinner you're fixing to eat now. They'll do for you what the Word of God's going to do. He is a roaring lion. Roaring lion. Jesus calls the saved in the church sheep. We all call sheep. In the simile or analogy of how God describes us, Jesus calls himself the great shepherd. He is the door, he is the gate. He says, if any man come into the sheepfold other than by Jesus, they come in the wrong way. They're thief. He calls us sheep. The devil knows we're sheep. You know the analogy of, and, and the true story of when David, as a lad, was watching over his father's sheep before he became king of Israel. You remember the occasion when a lion came in among the fold of David's sheep to take an innocent lamb and make a meal out of it. And the anointing of God came upon David as maybe a 15-year-old freckle-faced teenager. And when the power of God came on David, he got that lion by his, in his hands and took the jaw of the lion and rended it apart because that's how the devil still comes at us. I'm not trying to be mad or upset. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you that, you know all this Halloween bunch of stuff? You be very careful. Casper the friendly ghost. Don't even mess with Casper. Resist the devil. We're going to have our fall festival because we're not celebrating Halloween. We're celebrating hallelujah. We're not interested in witches and spooks and goblins and Casper and, and anybody else. What we are interested in is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. We're interested in protecting our family and our children. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. That's why it's a good thing to go home and throw away some videos. 
It's a good thing to go home and throw away some CDs. It's a good thing to go home and throw away some posters out of your child's room that might have images of the devil and say, I don't mean to be ugly and I'm not trying to speak against your children, but I'm here to tell you that if they got some blood-curling posters of some demonic drummer or guitar player or druggie that's their hero, you need to tell your child, I pay the bills, I pay the mortgage, I put the groceries in here, I put the clothes in your back, and the devil is not welcome in my house. Come on, help me praise God. Yeah. Give no place to the devil. <laughs> you know why I'm so stirred up? It's because he's a murderer and he is a liar. It's not my words. Jesus said in John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Oh, God, help me, Holy Ghost. You better be careful, ladies, of the Don Juan who come trying to charm you. And in beneath and underneath, there's a lot of garbage. When, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. A roaring liar, a murderer, and a father of lies. I, I, I'm just trying to tell you. Mm, help me, Holy Ghost. Mm. He lied to Adam and Eve. He said, go ahead and eat of the fruit, the one tree that God says no. In the day you eat of it, you shall not surely die. They ate of it. And he intended to murder the whole human race. Because the Bible says in Adam, all die. If it wasn't for Jesus and Calvary, we'd all die in our sins. He's a murderer. He's a liar. Though Adam and Eve, don't, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, 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 my, my, my. He's the one that put it in uh, Cain's head to kill his brother Abel. Yeah. Have nothing to do. Listen, you better be careful. Oh, help me, Jesus. You, you better be careful who you hang with. You better be careful who you date, who you carpool with, who you eat lunch with, who you text and email and hang out with. If God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost you claim to have in your life is not rubbing off on them and they're being changed, it's quite likely that the demons and the devils of hell subtly may come through them and drag you out of the kingdom of God. Help me preach here or just pray for me. He is a murderer and a liar. Oh, but here's the, here's the part I want to get to. And I, I'm going to tell As strong as the devil is, there is one, Jesus by name, stronger than him. First John 4 and 4. Everybody read it out loud. On the count of three. One, two, three. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you got Jesus in you, come hell or high water or demons or imps of hell. I want to tell you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper you. If God be for you, all the hounds of hell can't touch you. You are covered by the blood. Somebody praise it with me. 
Uh, sit down just a moment. Uh, I, I'm glad you're with me. I don't know why you took so long to get with me. Anyhow, I know I was teaching. Ooh, look, look at this. Look at, I love this verse. I love this verse. Romans 16 and 20. And the God of peace will crush. I said crush Satan under your feet shortly. <laughs> Jesus was born. One of the prophecies about Jesus and the devil and the battle of the ages was that the devil would bruise his heel. And that happened at Calvary. But up from the grave he arose. And when Jesus got out of the grave, he didn't go outside the grave first. He went down to the heart of the earth. I'll preach about it next week. I'll preach about hell next week. So, hell no, don't go. That's the subject. That's the subject. Hell no, don't go. Huh? He took the... Ooh, help me, Jesus. When Jesus, when, when Jesus, Satan bruised the heel of Jesus when he allowed, when God allowed his son to be crucified. But thank God he did. But on that resurrection morning, Jesus got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And on that Easter Sunday, he crushed. I don't mean he just injured. I mean he stepped on the devil's serpent head and crushed him. The devil is running out of time. His day is done. Stand up to your feet. And give the Lord some praise in this house. Come praise him. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Come, come on, come on, come on. Give the Lord some praise. Brother Sammy, bring your whole team up here. I want the prayer team to come and stand all around this altar. Oh, help me, Jesus. Everybody ready for, for championing the devil? Say amen. Look here. James 4, 7. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Resisting no mean to just say, okay, I rebuke you, devil. No. That means you do the Muhammad Ali thing. Forgive me for being carnal, but you know what I'm talking about. You got to get in the ring and, and knock the daylight out of him. And here's how you do it. I'm not going to preach this now. Maybe another time. I'm just going to give it to you now. Here's how you do it. And that's what we're going to do right now as I close. Right now, we're going to plead the blood. We're going to... Use the name of Jesus over your marriage, over your finances, over your grandson, granddaughter, husband, or wife, any unsaved people, or any attack in your life. If you want to know how to be victorious, use the name of Jesus. I'm not playing with you. Mark 16, 17 says, in my name. Can I, can I, not my name, his name. In my name, we shall cast out devils. That's what, that's what you got to do. You got to use the name of Jesus not only on Sunday morning, but when you're driving down the road and some thought come in your head, you're thinking, God, where did that come from? You say, in the name of Jesus. You go to your house and your marriage and you say, in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, and, then if, and, and add to that the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? I mean, if the, you need to turn up the heat on the devil, don't just use the name. The Bible says in the Old Testament, when they, before they came out of Egypt... The lamb was slain, representing every family. And the blood of the lamb was put over the lintel and the doorposts of the house. And, and, and when the blood was applied there, when the death angel came to kill the Egyptians, but they saw the blood over the house of Israel, when I see the blood, if the devil sees the blood of Jesus applied to your life, his demons can't cross. He can't cross the bloodline. And then, 
then you got to use this word. That's why I want you to read the Bible. I want you to read your Bible through in the year, but that ain't the... Re- I hope you can read it through in the year. You'll get so much in love with it. Listen, you got to use this book. The devil got his book. He don't even need a book. But we need the book of life. You quote this word. The word is a double-edged sword. Can I get an amen? This word... Oh, my, 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 my. Oh, I'm, Holy Ghost, help me. All you have to do is know two or three or four scriptures. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, I will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my Lord, my refuge. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings. Oh my God, somebody help me here. Just know, just get some work. And then you put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6. I mean, when you get up in the morning, you ought to quote somebody out of Ephesians 6. I put up my feet is shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. My loins is girt about with truth. I have the breastplate of righteousness. I got the helmet of salvation. I got the sword of the Lord. I want to tell you something. Better than Star Trek. Better than Star Trek. You got a shield around you. Quit letting the devil beat you around like a wet rag. You have authority. It's a fight, but but you ain't fighting by yourself. In a moment after I pray, I'm going to open this altar up. If you need deliverance for anything, if you say, Pastor, I'm not going home with the devil in my car. I'm not going to my house with the devil. I'm before I get to the house, he ain't going to be there because I'm going to use the name of Jesus. I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus. I'm going to quote the word. If cancer attacks your body, if sickness affects your body or somebody you love, come in Jesus' name and use the name of the blood. My friend, if you are bound by an addiction or bondage that you can't get rid of, come in Jesus' name. Somebody's going to pray for you. These altar workers are prayed up. But it's more than an altar worker. They don't need to touch you near as much as you need for God to touch you. So before you even come, raise up your hands to the Lord. Over whatever you need to pray over, use the name of Jesus. Get in your mind whatever you need to get the devil out of. If you need to get him out of your marriage, say in the name of Jesus, devil, you are out of my marriage. If you need to get him out of your body, in the name of, come on, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, my nephew is saved. In the name of Jesus, if it's your wife, if it's your husband, if it's your grandson, saved. In the name of Jesus, I come against panic attacks. I come against bad dreams. I come against the demons of alcohol and drugs and pornography. In the name of Jesus. Come on, raise up those hands. Say, I want the blood of Jesus applied to my family. Come on. Say, Lord, cover us with your cleansing blood. Cover us with your blood. So when demons come around, they'll know we're covered. Oh, hallelujah. That's what God sing, sing, my brother. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him with me. 